Yo, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Good, good, great. Early bird. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try to, you know, get everything ready so there's no surprises, right? Yeah, right. That's how you got that's how you Porsche guys are, huh? Uh yeah, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so uh-huh. you're a Porsche tech. Uh I currently, yes. Currently, uh oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean I did I've done a couple of brands, but yes, Porsche. Where'd you start out at? Um, started at uh, Honda, two thousand oh. in two thousand five, and then in two thousand twelve switched over to Toyota. So did the uh, all the ASCs, Master Tech, everything there, and then uh, got tired of that brand and uh, just really got too much too repetitive and uh, switched over to Porsche. How big is the change? Um, initially, I guess if you, I guess for me it was different because I had uh, basically. When I went to UTI uh, back in 2000 through 2003, I also did the Jaguar program. Uh, so I kind of touched a little bit on the German slash British vehicles. So, but switching from Toyota over to Porsche was still pretty, it's a pretty um, drastic change in the way things are done. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah the warranty processes and all that stuff's always different. And that and tools. Yeah. No more 10, 12s, 14s. What do you use on a Porsche? Uh, it's all torques and really triple squares, and uh, you know you got your occasional maybe ten millimeter and maybe a thirteen, but that's about it. So you had to make a few trips over there to Harbor Freight, huh? <laughs> you can say that, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh shit! So mm-hmm. how long you been a tech? Uh, let me see. Started in the business officially in '02. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, had my own shop for a year and a half, uh, but I also relocated. So I closed it down and relocated because I didn't want to live uh, where I lived anymore. Right. And basically, yeah, Honda. Honda was the next uh, step after that. Did you like Honda? I did. I actually enjoyed Honda a lot. It's so fun to work on them. They're so easy. They are. I mean, it's I was there for... I think one of your podcasts, you were talking about the uh, Honda Civic uh, third gear. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was there. I did those. I did the start clutch on the hybrids. Yeah, the early hybrids. Yeah, yeah. did the go kart clutch. Yeah, so <laughs> I did those. Uh, those were yeah. fun to do, man. That was like one of the biggest jobs: the transmission, the third gear, and the yeah. start clutch. That was like that the was, biggest. That was gravy. Yeah, it was gravy. <laughs> Everybody hit it. I'm like, no, give me that. Fuck yeah, man! Hand that shit to me. I'll do it. Yeah, when the R18 yeah, I did came all out. The, uh... mm-hmm, go ahead. I did all the uh, the torque converters on the Odysseys and the Accords. Hell yeah. Yep. Banging them out. Yep. I did that on the Toyota side. Torque oh, yeah. converters. Torque converters on Camrys and RAV4s. And oh my God, that, that would not end. <laughs> but yeah, no, the uh, one of my favorite jobs at Honda was the R18, the cylinder blocks that were cracking. Oh yeah. Brand new. Porous blocks. Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite jobs. I enjoyed yeah. that one a lot. How long did it take you to do one? At the beginning, like two days. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Once I got familiar with the with it, um, I could knock it out in a day. Yeah, that's about. We had a guy that would do it, and he would start it at like seven, and he'd be mm-hmm. done at about three. That's that's about the same rhythm yeah. I had. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty. That's what would it pay like twelve hours or something like that. I think at the beginning they were like around thirteen, but then they got cut down. They got yeah. cut down eventually, but. I think, yeah, 13 sounds about right. But I think so, yeah. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. 
So the difference between, let's say, uh, since you worked at Honda, mm-hmm. uh, straight time or that's CP time. Yeah, CP time. Yeah. Well, no, I mean uh, for warranty. Like yeah. You're getting uh, M time, they call it at Ford. What did they call it at Honda? Um, you mean straight time? So basically like uh, you're... You're over the warranty time. They had a name yeah. for it. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was so hard to get an extra hour from Honda to diagnose anything. Well, the reality is that Japanese brands don't pay for diag. Yeah. yeah. Period. Yep. Yeah, you spend eight hours diagging a really hard car. Well, thank you. And then you get paid three tenths to replace whatever you found. That's fucking terrible, man. That's <laughs> just how it is. Because that's what I dealt with at Honda for 17 years. Then I go to Ford and they're like, hey, do this. Nobody's done it yet. And just run time on it and you'll get paid whatever. I'm like, okay. And I did it. And it, I took, I had 18 hours flagged on it and I gave it to him. He goes, okay. And mm-hmm. they paid me 18 hours. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I go, you got any more? <laughs> you know? Like, I know how that feels. It's, it's, um, Honda, uh, Ford. So I never worked at Ford, but I have friends that work there. They, they like it. They don't have any complaints. Right. Um, the Toyota does not pay Diag. Porsche does. Uh, they do have a what they call a DW uh, punch, which is their diagnostic work. And yeah, you you get up to without having to get any approval, you can hit up to five hours. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. And you still get more. It's just now you gotta you know talk to some people, get some more approvals. Do you guys have like a tech line? Like uh, Honda does the. Shop foreman, he can he can uh, contact them, but basically once we get to a certain point, we basically have to get with him, and he can he can escalate it. We we can't. Okay. Yeah, he's the point of contact for all that. Wow. Yeah, Porsche does it all by uh, you follow their your your chain, your management chain. Damn, that's the way it should be, right? It is because you know it's yes, it is kind of annoying for him, I guess, at some times, but. Because he can get a little overwhelmed with all that, but at the same time, it's I think it makes more sense than just having fifteen different people involved. Yeah, because I mean, if the foreman's getting paid what he should be getting paid, it should be not a big deal for him to make that phone call and take Correct. the time. Mm-hmm. But at Honda, it's like you go up to the foreman and he goes, "Because I was that, I was the foreman." And you go, "Did you call TechLine?" <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Well. You also ask, you have the ask holes, I call them, because <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean by that. And yeah. uh, then you also have the guys that, you know, never read anything. Yep. Uh, and there's a, t- a service bulletin or a TSB that fixes it, but they don't, they don't like it. They don't find it. Yep. So, you know, you always have that, but then you have the guys that actually care and want to do a, jo- a good job. So it's getting rare to come by them. Seems like, well, it's, this business is changing very rapidly. Yes. Um, Electric cars are, I think electric cars are going to do more harm than good in the technician side. Let me ask you a question about that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a podcast about that. Uh, do you, are you guys worried about electric cars? Like, are you sitting back thinking, oh my God, electric cars are coming. I need to do this. I need to get ready for this. I need to buy these tools. Are you as a technician concerned about an electric car coming? <clears throat> yes and no. I'm not concerned about the vehicle itself. I'm concerned that the greatest, we don't have a system to support that many cars. 
Um, but I am concerned with technicians that, one, they've been in the field for a long time, and then we lost a lot of technicians in the field when carburetors ended. When fuel injectors start, injection started, a lot of technicians did not want to learn it, and they left. That's true. Then you had another breed of technicians come out. Then those technicians that are, got really good at those electronics now are faced with electric cars. And electric cars are really a make it or break it deal because you now have to have the really strong diet skills and it's all electronics. You're not dealing with a bad fuel pump. You're not dealing with spark plugs. You're not dealing with coils. You're not dealing with vacuum leaks. Nope. It's either the computer likes it or it doesn't. Yeah, right. Have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, the computer should tell you what the hell's going on. Um, Basically, I'm, you know, okay, I mean, okay. like engine light, you know, you got an EVAP leak. You don't have an EVAP system on your electric car. Uh, no, and uh, now that you say that, uh, try working. We're going through some changes right now. Porsche just rolled out their new diagnostics uh, scanner. Uh, generation four, and uh, I don't want to get into details with that, but obviously, growing pains of everything. I've seen, I've experienced some faults that you pull, and it has no, it won't tell you <laughs> what it is or right. anything. It just has a question mark. So have fun with that one. A question mark. Yep. It's basically like, hey, here's some basic info when it happened. You know, your your your. Data, uh, snapshot. your snapshot but it might tell you the component of the system it might it might not or it might just freeze and restart and you start over again it happens the uh the new mustang the electric mustang what they call it the mackie yeah. yeah what a piece of shit <laughs> so i'm a i'm a ford guy um i have a raptor i have a gt350r um but I've not dealt with the electronics, electronic car, so I probably will stay clear of a Mackie. Yeah, and I nothing you know, special. Well, uh, Shelby's coming out with the Mackie package for it, or the Shelby package for it now. Well, they gotta fix the fucking Mackie. <laughs> I mean, we had a couple in our shop for months. Have you had the battery, uh, the battery cells go bad already? Yeah, mm-hmm. but they make you replace all this other shit. Yeah. And then re- retest, you know, you know how Ford is. They say retest and then you retest and no, dude, it's the fucking batteries. Mm-hmm. These batteries. Okay. We'll send you batteries another six weeks. I'm going to, I want to say that the engineers that are deciding this, are, you know, designing the systems, they don't give anybody else all the information. So then you are basically finding issues as you go where they probably know what's already wrong with it, but they're not giving anybody the information. So you're basically going around in circles when if more information was presented to the technician at the time of repair, I think the repair could be done quicker. And you can also just actually do it right the first time instead of having to go back in every time. Yeah. I mean, the customers are like, you know, I don't even want this car anymore. It's been here. So exactly. Uh, we've had a, quite a few. I've heard of quite a few buybacks and in the Porsche side with the Taycan, with the electric car. And it's unfortunate, but I think this is the growing pains of a new technology also. I don't blame the brand. I just right. blame the, the, this growing pains. Yep. I agree with that. Um, so being a Porsche tech, how many techs are in your shop? Um, off the top of my head, 
18, maybe really? 20. Yeah, we have, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, 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 Porsche's going through a lot of changes. The SUVs change the brand. And yes. it's not, it's not just about a, a 911s. It's, it's about Macans and Cayennes and hybrids. That's, that's where it's at right now. Yeah, I don't know much about Porsche, but I looked them up and I noticed that they do have two sedans now. That's mm, what are they mm, called? The uh, Panamera. Yeah, and, and uh, you got the Taycan, the Panamera. You got the Macan, the Cayenne. Then you have the 911, and you have the. Did I say Taycan already? Yeah. Yeah. So you have the 718, which is the Cayman and the Boxster. So, so one sedan, one sedan, the Panamera. Yep. So you have a GT three fifty R. Why'd you choose that over a nine eleven? Um, it's more of a the nine eleven is a excellent car, and I would maybe at some point have one if I could. But right now, I just I wanted the V eight. I've never had a V eight car. I've always played around with them with friends' cars and helped them build them and stuff, but I never owned one. And I, that's just a car that the first time I saw it, I just, I just said, I want this. That thing, I want, I want to have this. That thing is badass. Mm-hmm. That thing rips around town, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's it's phenomenal. I I, I enjoy it very yeah. much. I want a very Raptor rare. too. It's it's the best, dude. I, yeah. I can't. I can't. I, 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 sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to sell it because the car market is so high, but I'm like, no, nah, I can't. Yeah. Because if can't. you want another one and you, you have to buy it new, because if you buy a used one, you're going to get you're, a piece of shit. That or you're going to get a stupid markup for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Mine's had everything done. I have a really good friend at a Ford dealership. She's a Ford Master Tech, whatever, in the engine side. I, I know Ford does it like everybody kind of does their own thing. Um, so she just does engines and stuff. Uh, and she she did everything: cam facers, timing chain, complete reseal. She went through the whole truck, got everything done, and it's it's been perfect ever since. And I'm like, you know what? It's all the most of the gremlins are fixed, I think. So I'm just gonna keep it. Yeah, as long as I mean, I shit on Ford a lot, but as long as you maintain them, I mean, they run forever. I had an F one fifty, and I had zero in- issues with it, mm-hmm. zero. But you know, I traded mm-hmm. in and got a Honda. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, I don't blame you. Honda's are great too. <laughs> yeah. So at, at Porsche, mm-hmm. you don't specialize in anything. You just do everything. You do everything. Same as Toyota, same as Honda. Okay. Yep. I mean, you're, you're just in tiers. You have a, a bronze tech, a silver tech, and a gold tech. Um, and that's just basically pay and knowledge. Where do they send you guys for training? Uh, either... Um, Georgia in Atlanta, uh, we're right by the airport. There's a PCNA center. Sketchy. Uh, no, it's actually really nice. Is it's, it? Uh, no, it's not. It's not the greatest area, but it's <laughs> it's by itself, and it has its own racetrack, so it's really nice. Oh shit! Do you get to go on it? Uh, yeah, you pay last time. Last time, uh, last two times I went um, was six seventy five bucks for a ride along. So they give you like five laps. And then um, if you want to drive, it's like with your discount, it's like 200 bucks. Damn. You can jump jump on a GT3 and go go ham on it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. While yeah, you're at school. Yeah. It was like literally I was doing, uh, which class was it? Uh, DME, which is engine electronics. 
and we're doing all that. And uh, basically at lunchtime, I told the instructor, hey, I'm going to be at the track. So as soon as I'm done, I'll walk back in. He goes, cool. And then they, they all came outside, watched me uh, take their ride along. And then we went back to class. No shit. Yeah. That's really, awesome. really nice. And everybody's really chill. You know, Porsche has a good, a good culture. Yeah. I never heard anybody complain about working at Porsche. Um, there's really not much to complain about. It's, it's, it's just a matter of, I guess, like anything else, just, if you understand how, understand how the system works, you, you can fix it. You know this. Right. And and I think that's where a lot of people struggle. Uh, yeah, it looks, it looks complex. It is complex. But if you basically use the KISS sample, you keep it simple, well, you know, I think you can, you can do fine. How would you rate Porsche's schooling, their training, over Honda and Toyota? Um, I would say... Well, back when I was at Honda, it was not quite as organized, I guess. Uh, Toyota SCT region has it down pretty good, but it's just so much, so many classes you have to take. Yeah. Um, but in a Porsche world, um, I think they're probably a very straightforward, very easy going. So I would say it's a better system. It's It's organized better. The classes are very good. Uh, instructors are phenomenal. I, I would say from what I've been through in all those brands, uh, I would put Porsche number one. Honda was fun, but it seemed like you're going to pass no matter what. Uh, that's how Toyota is. Really? It's the same deal. It's there. They're, I don't want to say, make it sound this way, but it kind of is. It's they're, Everybody's struggling for technicians, but Toyota, I think, is struggling one, not maybe the most because of how much volume they have. Um, the shop I was at, I was foreman, and we were doing 150, 160 cars a day, and Saturdays were 200 plus. Jesus, man. Yeah. So running that show and training technicians and um, you know everything else that goes in with that, it's 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 interesting. It's you know it's a struggle, but uh, te- techs got to get trained and ASCs have to be done. So what Toyota does is. Uh, basically, just to give you the quick rundown on that is you take, uh, let's say, uh, manual transmission class, and the last day you're taking the ASE right there. So that's, that's cool. yeah, that's cool. So that's the plan. Wow. Yeah. Pushing mm-hmm. people through. Yeah. And we all know that you could have all ASEs and can't fix a sandwich. So, oh, yeah. That's 100% true. So that you happens. Just take a test. Exactly. I mean, my son can take a test and figure it out. The only one I have never passed, I only did it one time, it was the L1, and I missed it by four. Oh, I failed brakes uh, two or three times. Okay. So that's what you talk. That's that's it the type of person you're talking to, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, the terms, come on. When you're a Honda or Toyota, the terms on the ASC make no sense. No, and then you're not rebuilding wheel cylinders. Correct. It's, calipers yeah. and shit. It's like, come on, man, update this shit. Well, it's, they're, they were made, those tests were made based around the big three. Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, that's just how it's kind of, I think I think they're working on that, but I'm not sure. I researched a year and a half ago for the third time, and it was probably the last time I'm going to do that because at Porsche, I don't have to. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't hear anything about ASEs anymore. I think it's more just for the independent shops. 
Yeah, because they they don't have training. Yeah, per se. So they have they they got schooling, but not like we do. Yeah, not like not like a dealer tech, correct? Yeah, I don't I don't know nothing about the independent side, but that's totally it's, different than the dealership side. Well, you don't have warranty. I think the rest is the same. <laughs> yeah, the only well, difference is they can wash their hands and go like, "Oh yeah, you need to take that to the dealer." Yeah, we can't say. <laughs> we can't say that. No, because we are the dealer. <laughs> we can't say. Oh, go take it down to Joe's repair shop. We're not fucking with it. <laughs> no, when I when I worked for Honda was okay, and uh, it was actually called. All right, I'll take that out. Don't worry about it. That's fine. It was uh, really nice guys and uh, super super. Everybody there was really cool, and I learned a lot. But yeah, going. Going from there, moving to where I live now and all that, and the independents are so different from state to state. It's not even funny. Oh, really? I have Porsche techs have to deal with independents trying to poach them all the time uh, because uh, there's there's only, I think in the whole nation, there's only, I want to say, 100 Porsche techs. Really? Uh, trained technicians. So maybe it might be, I'm sorry, it might be 200, but it, the number's not high. I, that's I don't, master, master that, certified. That's technicians that are certified, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And basically there's there's not a lot, you know? So the, every, everybody's always trying to poach them because Porsches require a certain, you know, a certain knowledge base for you to fix them correctly. Right. To, the, to know the ins and outs. I mean, 911 takes three, four gallons of coolant. <laughs> and and bleeding it and bleeding the air is a very interesting process. How does that work? Because ra- obviously the radiator's in the front, right? Mm-hmm. But radiator's in the front. You have the lines going through the bottom of the, through the, through them, basically where the transmission tunnel would be. Um, the transmission's in the back with the engine, obviously. And, uh, you know, you have a, uh, the thermal system that Porsche has is far superior from anything else I've worked on. Uh, when you do the bleeding, the coolant bleeding, the engine uh, goes through about 21 to 25 minutes of heating. Then it, it, you have an electronic control thermostat. So when it starts opening the thermostat, it starts flowing, but it's what you're, it's looking at the engine temp, the engine outlet temp sensor the temp sensor in the middle of the car and the radiator outlet. So it's seen cool. You can see, you can watch coolant move through the system. Right. And then it has a timetable built in and all that. And it's going, okay, well, coolant's moving slow. You failed. Coolant's moving. Okay, we're good. And it'll make you repeat the process. And then once you, you get coolant moving, it knows that there's no air because it's of the way the readings are, they're, no, they're not spiking, nothing's like stale. But it will push this to 200 and, I don't know, 230 degrees. Wow. And once it hits that threshold, it goes, okay, we're hot, gives you a thumbs up. And then as soon as it does that, it fully opens the thermostat and turns the fans on. And it will go from about 230 degrees to about 180 in about 5 to 10 seconds. No shit. All this heat, just you can just feel it. If you're outside of the car, you just feel this current of hot air. It's just woof. And the fans are going, you know, whatever RPM they're going, but they're going so fast. And all this heat is exiting. And the, and the uh, engine coolant just drops and the oil temperature drops. And you're like, okay, this is, it's phenomenal how they do that. 
Wow. That's crazy. It is. It is. Once I started with that brand, I, I saw so many things. I'm like, damn, no. Uh, if you have a Panamera, for, for example, that the thermostat gets stuck open, it probably won't warm up <laughs> <laughs> because of how efficient it is. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what does a coolant flush pay on a Porsche? Um, just the coolant bleeding. Um, most cars between two to three hours. And it takes uh, you about two hours? Yeah, it takes you about a solid two hours once you get them down, yeah. Damn. Because you have to you have to also pull the hoses on multiple points under the vehicle, take all the panels down, and start pulling hoses, draining, and also putting a little bit of air pressure to get the rest of the coolant out. Because if not, you're going to have an air pocket. So it's, it's a process. It's involved. It's not like a Honda where you just drain it and fill it. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you, and every single one of them has to get a... It's uh, you're basically filling them. You got to vacuum the system for at least 15 minutes and then fill them. Wow. 15 minutes. I was 15 minutes with the standard pump and another three minutes with a, another pump that pulls like a little bit more vacuum. And then you basically shove all the coolant in there. Wow. So that doesn't sound like a gravy job. What's a gravy job at Porsche? Four tires. <laughs> That's easy on those fucking wheels. Um, it pays 2.8 hours. Oh, wow. Um, alignments start at three hours. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. How's, how's the alignment process on uh, one of those? Cause you remember doing S two thousands, right? Korea. Yeah. That was a pain yeah. in the ass in the Honda world. Yeah. Cause nobody in the Honda world knew what caster camera was. At the time. Yeah. We're, there's like three of us in the shop that could figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Probably well, it's, shop. it's, it's the same deal. It's yeah. the same. The only difference is. Some of them require front uh, cradle adjustments. So you're shifting the front cradle and that gets interesting. And you're and all the hardware is torque to yield. So you're shifting a cradle at the same time you're replacing hardware to get your camber caster dialed in because it happens. They move, they shift. So you have to literally move the cradle to adjust the camber and caster you move the cradle while on the rack and you don't put any engine support anything you're just you're basically untorquing the bolts right right shifting and then you're putting new hardware as you go and torque everything back down they don't they don't have camber and caster adjustments on the they do but they do but sometimes you still have to tweak it yeah and then you got to readjust all the driving yep. support sensors mm-hmm. and all that shit. Yep. Then you have your front camera. You have your ACC. You have uh, some have night vision. So you have to basically figure out what you got and uh, adjust all that. Night vision is very fun to do. <laughs> you know, that's a solid hour for a calibration. Wow. You know, it's cool, but it's a pain. Yeah. And we also, as Porsche technicians, we do windshields. Really? Mm-hmm. That's something that I'd never done in my life until I started at Porsche. Yeah, I talked to another tech that had to do that. I think it was Audi. Yeah, Audi. Yes, Audi's the same. Same same, same parent company. They recommend windshield out and headliners are windshield out. Panamera, so you got to take the windshield to uh, put the headliner in. Uh, and uh, Taycans are... You gotta, I mean, there's a lot of windshields that come in cracked, also. 
So like right now I got a Cayman uh, that pays customer pay for a light uh, a windshield and a windshield and a and a alignment. It's a good job once you do a couple. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking about that. I wonder why we don't do windshields. It's eight why hours not? to do it. It's eight hours. Eight it's hours? Eight hours CP. For just a windshield. A windshield and an alignment. The windshield itself is four hours on every car. And the alignment in this case is four because it has a front camera. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's a $225 an hour, my friend. 225 Yep. I'm trying to think of what ours is. Like we were saying about the windshields, I'm sitting here thinking Audi does it, Porsche does it. There's probably other dealerships that do it or brands that do it. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there is. It's probably gravy money. Like I said, once once you get used to it. Just like everything else. Like everything else, it's, uh, what are you looking at? A two-hour process, maybe less? Um, if everything goes well, you don't hit any snacks. I mean, it's not crazy. It's... You know, your first couple of windshields, you're going to lose your ass on it. Sure, it'll take you half a day because you're concerned about trim and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it is what it is. But it's uh, – I I remember when I was at Toyota, I, I had a windshield guy that came in twice a week. And he lined up the cars in the shop. And in two hours, he had six cars done. You know, and I'm like, damn. Like, I always thought, talked to myself. I'm like – we could probably make some money with that. And then I switch over to Porsche. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had to do a sunroof on a, I don't know what that, it's a Ford, some kind of car. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to pull the rear window out and they had to wait for the windshield guy to come and pull the rear window out and then replace Glass, all the yeah. tracks and wait for him to come back. So he just lost eight hours, yep. four hours extra. And uh, that's a bay that's taken, you know, it's a stall that you're taking off and all that. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm sure there's some kind of training. You can get somebody to come train you. There is training. I basically, my training was, um, here's the tools and I'll show you how to do the first one and go from there. It's like, okay. I mean, so they it, all got to be the same. You're just gluing a windshield back in. Besides you can, taking trim pieces off and all that. You can actually take glass off if you are careful enough you can take glass off and clean the glue off and put it back on reuse it yeah i mean you think of all the other shit we can do as technicians why couldn't we Correct. glue a fucking windshield on yep <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Macon, uh, the macons come in a lot with the rear glass broken because either they get it caught on the uh, one of them was they got caught on the garage door somehow and it broke it, and the other one was it got broken into, uh, and uh, you know I replaced those rears, and I did a, I did a full panel sun uh, glass roof on a Cayenne. Uh, also did a full glass roof. No, it was a Cayenne, and then I did the uh, I did I've done a couple windshields on, I've done quite a few windshields on you know random models, all pretty much all the models. So. When those cars were in there, you were probably mm-hmm. doing something else to them also, but you would have had to wait for a windshield guy to come and make his money when you could have done it yourself. So you'd have lost mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Luckily at Toyota, I didn't have that problem quite often because the only model that technically required windshield replacement was the one that newer Avalon rolled out, the last gen Avalon. And uh, 
didn't really have one that I had to, I did have one that I had to replace the sunroof on, but I just dropped the headliner and kind of shoved it back a little bit, just enough so I could work around it. I right. didn't want to deal with the windshield guy, but you know, that was the only one I had to deal with. There's a lot of technicians that stay at the same shop, same brand for 15 years. And they don't realize that a lot of the work that they give away, like windshields and shit like that, like they don't realize their abilities. Mm-hmm. And like I was at Honda and if a windshield was leaking, you're calling a windshield guy. You're like, fuck this car. I ain't touching it. I'm moving <laughs> yeah. on because you can't really spend a lot of time on any car anyways, because you're mm-hmm. constantly getting shoved tickets. Correct. But it's like, you don't realize what's out there until you leave and go find something totally different. And then you're like, dude, I'm making twice the money now, you know, working at a different mm-hmm. shop and the management's better. It's like, I just, I just, those guys that stay in the same shop for so long, it's like, why are you doing that? There's, well, you're holding everybody yeah. back. Well, that comes down to the type of people they are. Some people are leaders. Some people are followers. That's true. And that's just how the, the reality is. And a lot of people are afraid of the unknown. So they will never take the leap because they don't know what's on the other side. That's so just true. how, that's your mindset. It's just all about mindset. I mean, it took me a lot to leave Honda. Yeah. But I did it and I never went back. I left Honda because Honda was not hiring when I moved. <laughs> so where, where I moved to, Honda wasn't hiring. So I walked into a Toyota shop and they're like, you want to start right now? Like, no, <laughs> I need a week. But we, you know, I, I, I honestly, I don't regret it. There was so much more work and I got a, I got an $11 pay raise going from one brand to the other. Yep. And being at Toyota, when I left Toyota, I was at an hour. And, uh, you know, it's things things have improved from there. So it's like, you know, it's very interesting how this, that's another problem with this business, with this field. It's dealerships are quick to raise their door rate, but they are not, they're not taking care of the people that make them their money. Because I don't care how much they brag about sales. But sales saying that, oh, we put the cars on the road so y'all can't have money. So it doesn't matter because we fix cars that y'all never sold. Yeah, they're going to have to retract that statement because they ain't even getting cars to sell. And nobody's Correct. buying new cars anymore. Correct. They're so, all fixing their old shit. Yeah. And I'm a big, when I was foreman, I was a big adamant of putting a lot of plans in place for my guys. And the service director there was, at least he was also good at that also. So things got put in place to make technicians happy, happier. So I can tell you when we went through COVID, um, at that point where we were, we everybody was guaranteed for a month. They're basically 80% of their paycheck. Wow. Yep, and that's the company paid for that. Um, so that was a plus. Um, and obviously, um, there was things implemented like technician uh, retention bonus. There was also uh, a bonus for the master techs on, based on productivity. So, I mean, you're talking about the, the way we had structured that plan. You were looking at uh, 
uh, some techs were getting anywhere from six to eight thousand dollars at the end of the year. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 worth it. I wish more more individuals did that. Yeah. I bet you you can turn around a lot of frowns, uh, turn a lot of frowns upside down, like they say. Definitely. I mean, to keep technicians, you got to pay them, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all we're there for. We're there to, to you know take care of the customer, of course. That's always going to be part oh, yeah. number one if you care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I don't even think about that part, but well, some do. You know, some some, <laughs> some don't. don't. Care. <laughs> some don't exactly. It's the problem. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. And like and like you've said many times, it also demotivates a lot of other people because you have a bad culture in the shop at that point. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you've been in the field long enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean started a fucking podcast about it i i love it i'll tell you that right now dude <laughs> uh, a friend a friend of mine uh, gave me the hint and said hey start listening to this and as soon as i listened to the first two i got hooked yeah mm-hmm. it's different than the other ones i've been i've got a bunch of them sent to me from listeners that listen mm-hmm. to mine they mm-hmm. also listen to other ones and they sent me in and I'm just like, I just don't have time. You know, when I listen to podcasts, I listen to funny shit. Exactly. And so I started listening to them recently and I'm just, it's all about, it's all on the manager side, shop owner side. There's like a couple other technician ones out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a bunch out there, but most of them only lasted, you know, a few months. And, but it's like, you don't hear the voice of the technician. You only hear from shop owners. That's why I asked you about the EV. Like, mm-hmm. are you act, are you personally worried? Because you worked at Honda. We worked on hybrids. Yeah. You know, that was a pain in the ass, but it's just another fucking piece of shit that's going to break down. Exactly. That's all it is. That's that's how I look at it. I've, nobody in my shop ever thinks about, oh my God, there's EVs coming. We don't give a shit. We don't care. But these other podcasts, they're just complaining about, we need to look at the EV future. We need to make sure we can do this. EVs, it's everything's EV. It's like, you're not going to have a future if you don't take care of technicians you have now. Listen, EVs, okay, let me, on my, on my brand, um, EVs work this way. Um, you won't make, as a technician, you won't make any CP money on it unless it's out of warranty, which is going to take a long time, to... Um, you're going to do tires. That's the only CP work that you're going to have. And three, for example, the Taycans, uh, their first service is at 20,000 miles, uh, two years or 20,000 miles. And it just pays three hours. So that's it. (laughs) So yes, I'm worried for what EVs are going to do to techs. Um, the warranty times are not that great either. So, yes, I'm worried about that side of the uh, of the of the industry because what I think is going to have to happen is you're going to have a reduction in technicians, but and that's going to also have to trigger uh, the technician is going to have to go on a salary. Yes, because they won't be able to afford anything, and then that also triggers the other part that. Everybody's focused on EVs. Combustion engines, used cars aren't going anywhere. Nowhere. So you're going to sacrifice technicians, and then you, what happens to your shop load, your 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 workforce? You're just going to keep losing them? No. You have to make changes. 
they have to start making changes now. Now, the correct. Technicians. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be around to worry about EVs. But I don't want to talk bad about technicians in general, but I have to generalize. You also know that technicians, unfortunately, especially if they've been in the game for a long time, if you put them on a guarantee, what what do they do? Oh yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the other. That's what the shop owners are afraid of. Well, you're gonna you're gonna put a bunch of guys on some kind of guarantee, and they're just gonna lay down. I don't want to guarantee. I don't want nothing to do with a guarantee. There's a lot of guys I know and that I work with that don't want no they. We feel like contractors, basically. We come mm-hmm. in, we work our ass off, we turn as many hours as we can, and we go home. Correct. If we ain't got nothing to do, we're going to pulse one of our toys in and work on it. Uh-huh. But that, we're never, you know, at the shop I'm at now, we're always busy. So, okay. but That's good. I think just right off the top of my head, since EVs are barely even coming right now, once you start getting them, just pay them straight time. The amount well, of time CP, that they're working CP time. on. CP, CP time. CP time is what should be. The warranty times need to go away. Everything should be paid CP time. Manufacturers should pay CP times. Yeah, because, they should. You know, it's, just, it's just how it should be. Um, but mm, I don't know how that's going to be. Yeah, it's above our heads. Mm-hmm. We can bitch about mm-hmm. it, but. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I guarantee you my dealership is going to be doing windshields after I talk to them. It's honestly, if you, I've had some weeks that I'm hovering that nuts, not, not a great week. Cause I've, I've been heavy on diag and I'm, you know, I'm ordering parts and all my parts come from Germany. So you want to talk about waiting on parts. <laughs> so when I get on into those weeks, you know, I, I'll, I'll be told, Hey, I got two windshields coming. Give me, give me that. Yeah, that's gonna, be, that's gonna be my filler. At sixteen hours, I can knock out in a day. Yeah, go out on the used car lot and start cracking some windows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just playing. Nah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what sucks? Our shop, we don't do used cars, and really? we don't do we don't do uh, internal any any internal work, no PDIs or nothing. Well, we have two shops. Our main shop, which is where I'm at, uh, we don't do we don't do anything but CP and warranty. Our offsite shop does all the internals and the PDIs. But are you guys busy enough to where you couldn't do them? Yeah, no, I I don't think that it's it's not feasible for us to have right the used cars and uh, and internal work on our side. No, with customers customer pay customer work is abundant right now. Yeah, like at Honda, there's nothing to do. You want a PDI, and then if you see, you know two guys that that's all they do is pdis and you're over mm-hmm. there sitting on your ass that, yep. that really sucks i remember those days yeah the, the guys next to me were the pdi guys Ugh. yep and then the, so i wasn't shoved in the middle i was uh, what they called a double dipper because i would either do used cars or shop work but eventually that changed as i progressed um the, the used cars went away and i just did shop work and i had two bays for myself but on one side, I had the two PDI guys, and on the other side, I had the two used car guys. So it was it was interesting. Damn, that was if you didn't if you didn't have anything to do, man, mm-hmm. you just close your eyes the rest of the day. Uh, you don't want to see them pull all that. Gravy. If I didn't have anything to do, I would straight up just usually go home. 
because I was just like, okay, well, it's three o'clock. I don't have anything to do by now. I don't want to get roped into staying here till five or six or seven. So I was just going to cut my losses. Yeah. Time, time, time is valuable. Time is the one asset that you can never get back. Now, see, if you're getting paid hourly and you had nothing to do, you'd be sweeping floors and then, you know, you'd rather just go home. I would. Yeah, if you're flat right, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, if it's just that which is the one asset that you can't get back. You might as well just go spend the time, those two hours, make a difference in traffic. You go home and spend an extra hour and a half with your family. You know, that's the other problem with this industry. Yeah. They don't like to let you leave early. No. And some shops. Yeah, some shops are very cool with that. Others are not. You know, especially the workload that you have. I have, um, we were doing about, I think yesterday we did 13 cars. And in, uh, in, in, in the Porsche world, that's... That's stout. Yeah. Very stout. So you want to talk about CP services, how, what they pay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 40K. I did a 40K yesterday. It was a 40,000 mile service. I'm not going to go into what it do, what it is, but it's a 40,000 mile service with a rear brake job and a brake flush. Uh, it was 11.7 hours. Wow. Are you adjusting valves or anything like that? No. No. No, sir. Remember the uh, Honda days? Yes. <laughs> so easy, man. Well, I mean, come on. When an IDK rolled in with time and belt water pump oh, and all that, that, it was, you know, how to, you you know, it was a good day because you sold them engine mounts too. Yeah. So come on. I, I remember. That was great. <laughs> you ever install AC on the cars? I did not. I yeah. came in right, right when that was over. Yeah. I came in when that was ending. Mm-hmm. Two guys, one on the inside, one on the outside, and they'd split the ticket. Okay. Okay. Um, I did the remember the raf uh, the raf the CRV Black Death. Black Death. That, that's what we call it. The AC compressor that will blow up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And take the whole system out. Yeah. We would do those on the warranty, and honestly, I never never complain about that job because it paid ten hours, and by yourself, once you did a couple, you 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 were doing them in five. Yeah. So I I did not complain about that one. Then they catch on and lower the warranty time. Hopefully, I never got to that point because <laughs> we didn't do that many of them. But every now and then, one sneaked in. It's like, okay, cool, let's do this. So, how's your uh, Porsche warranty times? Are they reasonable or just like everybody else? On some things, they're very reasonable. Um, I would say on most most stuff is very reasonable. I mean, uh, um. Let me see. The other day I did, uh, there was a campaign that they rolled out uh, some of the turbo, the twin turbo V8s uh, had a valve spring failures. And I had the first one, I think, that we did. I had the first one. Uh, And uh, the whole job paid just almost close to 40 hours. Wow. And it wasn't... It was a two and a half day job, so yeah, it was it was okay. How fast do you think you can do it the next one? Well, if I did a couple, it would help, but it was just that one. But I think once you get them down, you probably you probably do them in. I would say you probably do them in under two days. Yeah, but it's just the dropping the drivetrain out is what takes the time consuming. Everything with Porsche is drivetrain out, just so you know. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. How's the oil change? Those are straightforward. It's, yeah. You can you can suck the oil out, 
or you can just take the undershield off and drain it. Um, the the time consuming part of that is you have to you change the oil, and if you you got to do the oil level test, and you have to basically start the car, run it idle, wait till the engine oil hits. Yeah, like, like BMWs. Yeah, and then run the oil test. So that's the time consuming part. Do you guys get a lot of waiters? Um, we have three teams and let's say we get about five waiters a day per team, maybe six. It's not bad. No, it's not a crazy ratio, but sometimes you get the odd day where you have two, three, four, four, uh, single tire waiters, which kind of sucks. Yeah, that sucks. But we do get paid 0.7 per tire, so. So how much does a brake job cost? I asked the Lamborghini guy this. Mm-hmm. How much does a brake job cost on a 911? A if you have PSCB, which is Porsche steel brakes, uh, so steel rotors, um, anywhere from 1300 to 1800 For a front brake job? For, 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 for yeah, front brake job. Uh, if you have ceramic rotors... Um, last one I heard of was 20 grand, 20, somewhere between the ballpark of 15 to 20. Yeah. Just for front. Uh, just for front. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Also the EVs, the wonderful world of EV, <laughs> uh, a lot of Taycans come with the ceramic brakes on them. Um, but you also have to keep in mind they use the motor for regen, so the brakes are not really utilized that much. Right. Uh, the way so basically what they did is they included the ceramic brakes in the six year service. So when you hit six year mark on your Taycan EV that you paid uh, your Turbo S that you paid two hundred and eight thousand dollars for, wow, uh, you're gonna also have to do a twenty. You know, let's say a thirty thousand dollar brake job, some somewhere around that area, Holy for front shit. or rear brakes at six years. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, but you're also dealing with a different clientele base. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Honda customer where they're just blaming you for everything. <laughs> no, when you come in the door, a Porsche on a base on a for a base oil change is five hundred dollars. Somewhere in that area, four hundred to six hundred. Wow! So you're already you bought a car that requires the maintenance, and it's high dollar. It is what it is. Yeah. Hey, can you hold on one second? All right. Sorry, my fan's blowing my punching bag around. It's just <laughs> swinging, dude. It's so annoying. <laughs> so oh, good. Bro. God. So those brake jobs. That was crazy. How much the Lamborghinis cost, and yours damn near the same. If not well, it's more. Just, it's, it's the same. It's basically the same parts. Audi is the parent yeah. company. Well, technically Porsche is the parent company, but it's all pretty much Audi parts. Now, have what's that new EV that Porsche came out with that I hear about? That's the Taycan. That's the one that's supposed to be really badass? Yeah, that's the Porsche Taycan. It's a, the sedan, yeah. Have you worked on a lot of them? Yeah, yeah. Are they badass? Oh, yeah, really. yeah. Very, very stout. <laughs> I've um, never driven a Tesla. That's the one car I haven't driven yet, or any um, full electric car. Teslas are, to me, they're generic. They're cool. It's it's a it's cool, but to me, they're kind of they feel kind of generic. Uh, the Porsche has the soul of 
the race car in it. That's what it really, I heard. It, it really does. I mean, it's the launch, dude, you have to find a Turbo S and do the launch control on it. Really? It is life-changing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just the, 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 the G-force it pulls and the torque that it has. It's, yeah, you can go get a Tesla Plaid and go do it, and I guess the Plaid, it might be faster. I don't know, but the, it's, not the, the same. it's just not the same. Plus, you have electronic sway bars. So you go take a turn and the thing just stays flat and it has a, it has a meter on the dash that tells you how much it's, it's counter acting the, the, the leaning on it. No shit. It, it doesn't handle like a boat. It handles like a freaking nine eleven. It's, it's, it, it handles like its own rails. Wow. And it's, it's a, it's a 5,000 pound car. 5,000 pounds. I think it's like five or six. Yeah. Cause of the back, cause of the battery. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the center. Mm-hmm. but what, it's definitely worth driving what's do you follow f1 at all not really do you know about the porsche that they race bef- that follows f1 they have like a porsche cup i don't know what it is i've heard of it yeah but it's I've, all I'm... porsches that mm-hmm. race i was just wondering what is that the 911 i don't know I, yeah i don't honestly on top, i haven't got into the I hear the guys talk about it all day long, but I I haven't got into it. I'm I'm into the side by side, off roading uh, stuff. Oh yeah, that's why you got uh, that Raptor, huh? That's one of the reasons. Yeah, I got my I got a Yamaha YXC 1000 RR side by side, which is very fun. <laughs> I love jump. Yeah, Yamaha 1000. It's called a YXC 1000 RRSS, which is called Sport Shift. So it's basically a manual transmission with an automatic shifter on it. So you you pedal shift it. Nice. But it doesn't have a belt. It's it's got a, a, a wet clutch on it, like a basically kind of like a dual clutch setup, but it's a, a single. Huh. And then uh, it's also drive shafts, so it's very strong drive train. No shit. Mm-hmm. So that's your hobby outside of work. Yes, sir. Racing that shit. Racing that shit or flying my drone. That's what I do. That's funny because <laughs> my wife asked me what I want for Christmas and I told her, I think I want a drone. Yes, definitely. I don't know if why. I, I just want one. If I might recommend something for you. Something cheap. I don't have Porsche mm-hmm. tech money. <laughs> well, it's it's on sale right now. That helps. Yeah. D- DJI. Yeah. Uh, Mini. Mini Pro, Mini Three Pro. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. How yep, much is that one? I just got it a month ago. I think I paid eight hundred. Damn, that's out of my price range. But it's the dude. It's it's ridiculous how good it is. What about three hundred dollar range? Uh, you can get the Mini Two. Mini Two, and it's got a I, camera on it. Yeah, yeah, no, you have a camera. You have. You have plenty of uh, flight modes. It has follow me mode. Uh, you have a lot of stuff, good stuff. You just don't have the the collision sensors, so you have to be more aware of what you're doing with it. Right. But it's 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 definitely worth the money. <laughs> I don't even know what I want it for. Like I don't do videos of myself. You know, you, not yet until you get one. Yeah, I know. It's worth it. Uh, it's it's really nice to go. Maybe take the wife, go to go to a hiking trail, go somewhere, climb up somewhere, 
take the drone, you know, film it, whatever. It's it's just it's fun. Like I'll, I'll I've taken the Raptor out a couple of trails. I have the drone follow me. No shit. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun, dude. It's worth it. Do they have extra parts for that cheaper one? If I crash it? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can you can go to the website. Actually, here's the nice thing about DJI, and since I'm not trying to sell you the product, I'm just saying that's the one. That's the one company I was looking at because they've been okay. around for so long. Yeah, so you can actually register and buy the basically extended protection plan, and basically if you crash it. You have two free, two replacements that are like fifty bucks each. Really? So if you destroy the drone, or it, for some reason it just gets submerged in water, never to see again, or you have it fly away and you can't find it or something, um, you just it happens. Really? Oh yeah, it's in the coverage. If you look at the plan, you'll see all the stuff that's covered. No, I mean they fly away and you never find them again. Well, you got to think uh, like the Mini Two. I think the range is like three miles. Holy shit. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, mine. I think the range of mine is like six. Six miles? Something like that, yeah. So you could fly that thing to my house almost. That's it's it's crazy, dude. So <laughs> you you put it up there and you don't see it. So you can't look up in the sky and find this little dimple. So some people have had where they lose connection with the controller. And you got to remember the way it works is this: uh, when you when you take off, it registers wherever you took off as, as as the home point. But if it loses the GPS signal or if it loses connection with the remote, there's a chance that it doesn't know where to go, and it'll just stay in the air until the batteries run out, and it'll crash. Holy and, shit! And and at that point, you have um, what they call, I think. Um, Something crash or whatever, so basically you can't find it. And once that happens, you put a claim in. If you if you have the the the, the plan, you put the claim in, and they give you a new drone. No a, shit. A refurbish, yeah. Wow. Yeah, look at local look into all that stuff. It's really good. Huh. I'm gonna have to do that. Maybe yeah. I'll get one. The mini two is. I had that, and then I sold it and bought the three, the three pro. But the mini two was great. It was phenomenal. Like I had the little cheap ones, you know, they were fun to fly around, but it's nothing crazy. No. You know, like fifty dollar drones. It's not it does not compare, trust me. Right. It's you you get Chris four K videos with this. Damn. Plus the flights the flights. The image stability, I mean, it's so much stuff to it. How long can they fly for? I saw that the small one I was looking at it today, it's funny. It was like thirty four minutes of flight time. Realistically, 27, 28. Okay. Yeah. But it's um, it's definitely like once you're up there for 20 minutes and you just you look at your remote and you're like, okay, I'm, 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 I get charge uh, like range anxiety. So it's like, oh, I got 15% left. Okay. I need to, I need to, it needs to come back. So I'll hit return home and it's just watch it land by itself. No shit. Oh, yeah. That's it's fun. Oh, well, it's fun for a lot of reasons. I wish you could put a nine on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just fly around and uh, target shooting. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. No. So going back to Porsche, yeah, bro. It's uh the maintenance is maintenance is where it's at with those cars. You do the maintenance. Um, other than the occasional water pump failing on them, not much else goes wrong. Really. Hmm. 
How hard is the water pump to change on one of them? Big job. Uh, depends what you're dealing with. Uh, some are just like any other car. Uh, some are big jobs. Yes. Some yeah. are the 911s are are interesting because the engines in the back and all that. But the Cayman and Boxer are probably the best one, the hardest ones to do. I think, in my opinion, because uh, you have the engines basically in the back, but it's a mid-engine car, so the engine's facing the front of the engine's facing your back, the back, the backs of your seat. Right. So you have to basically take the interior partly apart and get an access cover, and it's not like you have full access to everything either. Jesus. So yeah, it's it's just it's you gotta get used to all that. Damn. 